0: White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That
1: baby will go!
0: Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Hooray! Right. It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight.
2: Welcome into to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight, and this is kind of a bitters- bittersweet show for us on this Saturday morning. It is show number one of the MLB lockout. The offseason has started. Players have been signed. The Sox have added and retained some talent for their 2022 season. But the big headline, of course... You've seen it everywhere. You've probably talked about it with friends. Or or you've probably avoided talking about it with your baseball fan friends, with your White Sox fan friends. It is that Major League Baseball and the Players Union are currently in a lockout and no one's really sure just how long it's going to last. I can promise you a couple of things. White Sox Weekly will not stop. Nothing will hold us back. We will broadcast through the lockout no matter how long it lasts. Me and and Tyler are are dedicated to bringing you the very finest in White Sox baseball coverage, regardless of the level of activity or inactivity between players and organizations. Now, I don't think... Well, we'll get to the, the lockout specifics here in a little bit. And we've got a lot planned for the show this morning, too. Rick Hahn uh, gave a press conference with the assembled Chicago White Sox beat just a couple of days ago. Uh, I know some of the sound has kind of come out from that, but I've got some more specific stuff that I think you'll like to hear about where the White Sox are and where they plan to be. Um, coming out of the lockout once decisions, choices, and, and and contracts get to be signed and and baseball returns to the as-normal kind of thing. You'll also hear from Kendall Graven, one of the newest White Sox. I guess you could technically call him the newest White Sox, since Lauri Garcia was also signed to a long-term deal, a three-year contract that will keep LeUri or should keep Lauri as a White Sox for 12 total seasons. The number of White Sox that have been there uh, for 12 years is is very low. Uh, Lauri's likely to be one of them. Anyway, you'll hear from uh, both Rick Hahn and Kendall Graveman at points later on during the show. I should tell you that you can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday pack. It starts at 79 bucks, and you get 6 Ticket vouchers to 56 different home games during the 2022 regular season, along with an exclusive White Sox hat and scarf set. Visit whitesox.com slash holiday packs to purchase yours today. 312 332 3776. That's the phone number. And I I want to start out by saying this, uh, at least about where baseball is at and what our plan here is on White Sox Weekly throughout the offseason. And the lockout, however long that lasts, I don't know. We're a weekly show, and I don't know that we're going to go beat by beat through the reports, the conversations, the particulars about where the uh, where the, where the baseball is and where the players' association is in their negotiations each and every day. I don't think we're going to go through you know each new bargaining point that comes up every Saturday. Because I I don't know how productive that would be. There are going to be a lot of things that change. And bargaining points in negotiations like this are often just that. Bargaining points. They're not necessarily things that are going to happen, that are going to get inserted into the new CBA, or that are going to be implemented in our game, like on-field stuff, at least not necessarily. But I do think kind of an overview of the thing probably would be helpful. How it affects, or, or, you know, either adversely or positively, the White Sox as a 2022, you know, contender. I think we'll talk about those things some. But if you want to talk about, you know, the specifics of, of where the league and the players are at, you know, the, the conversations between and back and forth, this is, as always, your show. And if you want to get into it, I'd, I'd be happy to. 312-332-3776. you can also follow us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox is the Twitter handle and you can follow me at c1 McKnight we're on Twitch as well you can follow us uh, ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch hello how are you lovely to see you as always um, and I think those that's it right I mean that's that's kind of the how you follow and how you look and how you listen HD2 as HD, well oh, 100.3 point3 HD2 how dare I 103. HD two, it is uh, crystal clear, and that's what you got to get doing. So, let me just say this, yeah, and kind of get us set for, or get you set rather, where the conversation is between the the, the players' association and the league. Obviously, you know, I, I think a lot of people saw, and a lot of people talked about the impending lockout as we reached closer and closer to the deadline that hit December first into December second. Uh, the the the, associate, the, the the Players Association is looking for, I think, a lot of changes in the way players are paid, uh, the revenue sharing of this league, the timing of free agency, just how long players are beholden to clubs when they come up and into the big leagues. And I think also one of the things they're pushing for, though it is going to be difficult, is a better representation for minor league players. You saw a couple of headlines over the last few weeks, and we touched on some of them here on White Sox Weekly, that teams will be uh, paying for the housing of minor league players in the coming seasons. That's not something that every team has done before. So that is a change in how big league clubs are going to take care of minor league players. But it's important to remember that in that particular instance, the Players Association doesn't represent minor leaguers. I mean, kind of by definition, right? You are a big leaguer and therefore in the union once you get to the big leagues. And while every minor leaguer is a, you know, prospective union member, they're not as such right now. Now, on the ownership side of things, you're looking at a couple of different issues that they're, they seem to have been pushing for. You know, a collective bargaining tax that is a little bit higher, but not too much. They're worried about setting free agency any earlier. Than it currently exists, they've posed a couple of different things, like free agency hitting at a specific age for a player. Uh, one of them that's been tossed out is you know twenty nine. Like every player who's not under current contract would be eligible for free agency once he hits age twenty nine. That's something that the, 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 the that the ownership has thrown out there. I think as we kind of sit here and and let's be honest, wait. For the White Sox and and their players and the league and the association, the Players Association, to resume business as normal. I, I think, you know, the White Sox are, are like a couple of different teams. It just, it's just bad timing, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people saw this coming. Guys like Ken Rosenthal for The Athletic and, of course, Fox Sports have been writing about the impending lockout since as early as 2019. And here we're about to be in 2022. Some have written about the potential of it earlier. This is the first time in 26 years that there's been a labor stoppage, a lockout, in baseball. I'm 36. I remember the lockout of 1994 into 95. And I know a lot of White Sox fans do too, obviously. If you're a little bit older than me or even if you're younger than I am, man, the stories have been told about what that 94 team was looking like and how it could have been, right? That's the season where we go back and look at it and everybody kind of goes, man, that Expo's White Sox World Series would have been one hell of a show. I mean, cause that's where things looked like it might be headed. Those two teams were really I actually talked with DJ about this, uh I don't know, middle of the season at some point. I it's you know on that 94 team. It, it was it looked like it could be a lot of fun. At least at this point and in this lockout, what we have in effect is a deadline in a way that it didn't exist in 1994, 1995. That was a mid-season stoppage, right? They, they canceled the World Series, and that affected the sport in a lot of different ways. I know it did for me as a young kid. But at this point, you've got a couple of deadlines coming up here that I think might just kick this lockout to the curb and get us to playing baseball or at least resuming the business of the sport in somewhat short order. I know both sides aren't really looking forward to skipping games. For a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, this is, this is a business. And whether you're listening to the Players Association or Rob Manfred in the league, this is a business conversation. It centers around revenue. And it should. That's what this is. But there are little things throughout the conversation that are going to affect the game on the field. You know, whether that's a pitch clock, whether that's a, a roster limit, whether that's um, I don't know, restricting the number of pitchers on a team, on a team roster. To you know, I don't put the emphasis back on starting pitching. Some of the stuff that Theo Epstein and his work with the league has kind of uh, tried to kick around in, in I don't know, revitalizing the pace of play for Major League Baseball, and that's been talked about for some years now, right? With all the strikeouts and walks and home runs and that kind of thing. We want more action in the game. That's what they say. But I think as we approach these deadlines and get closer and closer to spring training and wanting teams to get things put together, I, I think we see a little bit how, how that force, that deadline force, dovetails into what free agency has done and did do in the last couple of weeks. Now, the White Sox did sign a free agent in Kendall Graveman and technically signed another one in Leary Garcia. He was a free agent and had some offers from other teams, maybe even the Cubs, interestingly enough. Um, But obviously, as having been a former White Sox and a longtime White Sox, it's not exactly the same as going out there and plucking somebody else from another team, much less a reliever who was on a team you lost against in the first round of the playoffs for the second year in a row. find that somewhat interesting. So... As we approached this December 1st, December 2nd deadline, there were a lot of forces at work, I think, that, that pushed us into the, the free agent signing frenzy that we saw. I think it was entertaining for a lot of baseball fans. I know a lot of White Sox fans were looking for more moves and maybe, maybe a bigger slash, splash in free agency. Marcus Semyon seemed to make a lot of sense. Well, he got seven years and $175 million from the Texas Rangers. I find it really interesting that a lot of the teams that spent and spent big money were teams that did not make the playoffs last year. Teams like the Mets, teams like the Rangers, and signing Seager, Corey Seager, and Marcus Semyon. Now, we come back after the break. We'll take a phone call real quick here uh, and then hit the break. But when we come back, you're going to hear from Rick Hahn, um, he addressed some of that off season that has happened so far, and what the White Sox expectations are for the I don't know unofficial second half of the off season. I, I guess that's what we're calling it. Here's hoping that the second half. Here's hoping that the All Star break. You know this. I was just thinking winter, this is
0: like the All Star break I of, hope of the offseason. season. Really,
2: usually we, we root for a very long All Star break. I'll let you behind the curtain a little bit as we approach the All Star break. Here as as you know the ESPN network and and everybody you know Len and DJ and me and Ryan and Tyler and Eric everybody we're very excited about the All Star break. We're very much looking forward to just a couple of days to to do things like see our families, sleep, you know those kind of things. This time, though, this break, we're not looking for a really long one. We'd like to get back to business. Thank you very much. So you'll hear from Rick Khan in just a couple of minutes. Want to head out to the phone lines now, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. You want to talk White Sox, you're welcome to it. You want to talk a little lockout, happy to do that as well. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to let you know what our plan is. As We've, you know, we've, we've got less news to talk about here over the next couple of, uh, hopefully it's just a couple of weeks, but you know it might be longer. We'll let you know what the plan is here uh, as we go down the winter. Out to the lines, though, and in Vegas, it's Cullen. You're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Colin?
1: How are you doing, Connor. Good morning to you. Morning. Good morning. Uh, so this lockout obviously sucks, but I mean it, it was it was impending; it was going to happen. But my big thing is what I would like to see, and that I know it won't happen, is that do you know the, the song title from AC/DC, "Money Talks"? I would a much shorter season. I would like to see another sixty game season, but just way less than 162 because it's just. I think you, you you will lessen the injuries. You will you will you will uh, give pitchers a much longer uh, career. Uh, you know, the, it, I think that sixty game season works so well because every game matters. And now, and yes, I understand that you one know, when, when a player would get injured during that during that season that was, that made it a lot harder. But then again, you know, next next guy up, next person up on the team to step up and get it done. Colin, so, let me know, ask you.
2: I, I don't. I don't mean to cut you off here. I, I'm just curious. Are you saying that you'd you'd like the lockout to shorten the coming season because it'd be more entertaining, or are you hoping that coming out of the lockout, the new CBA drastically shortens all seasons from here on out?
1: I from uh, from here on out. Oh wow! Having, like I would really. Like, I just think 162 games is so unnecessary, and I think you know really every game up until leading up to the All Star game just doesn't mean as much as the game. After the, after the, and I I, just, I, I, again, I understand money talks and there's too much darn money out there with the television deals and everything like that. I understand. I just, I, I think you'll get more bang for your buck if you have, you know, shortened the season. And I, I would like to see that in hockey and, and basketball too. I don't think 82 games is necessary. <laughs> Cullen, appreciate you,
2: man. Thanks for thanks for ringing in. I'm gonna let you go. We're up against right. the break, and you got a little uh, static on the line. But we appreciate you phoning in all the way from Vegas. That is a that's a long phone call to make. Is what it is. I I understand that I, there are a lot of baseball fans that I think would like to see or are interested in what a shorter season would look like. I've never heard anybody uh, other than Cullen looking for a a 60 game regular season. I'm a I'm a big the regular season matters kind of guy. I don't, we'll talk a little bit about the expanded playoff uh, format that both the association and the league have kind of pitched. They're different ideas, but it is expanding the playoffs one way or the other. I, you know, I, it's tough to play baseball, and 162 games is a lot, but I think baseball is the kind of sport that needs that kind of uh, quantity in order to figure out who the best teams are. And I understand the idea that, like you know, the games before the All Star game, All Star break don't matter. Okay, fine. Tell the Blue Jays that they missed by a game and a half last year. Tell the Mariners that for twenty years, twenty-one now, I guess they've not made the playoffs, and they were this close. The last day of the season. I mean, those games do matter. I mean, the the
0: standings they matter. Right? Can Can I give you my biggest gripe with the one sixty-two here? Of course, you can.
2: It's Tyler Tyler Hockey, Hockey, that, producer on the fact that, thank you, the thank you. Extra, producer extraordinaire.
0: It's the fact that you don't play every team. And I get the divisional games are important, but I think for the overall growth of the sport, like if you're a White Sox fan, wouldn't you like to see Juan Soto come to your park? Yes! Like, of course I would. You're at least blessed in this city where you've got a team in each league. So if you wanted to see like every team sort of going to come here, but not every city's like that. And I think that would be really good for the growth of the sport is if you got to see, it's just like in the NBA, you see every single team come
2: to Chicago. You want to see Shohei Otani in Wrigley Field? Of course you do. You want to see Mike Trout literally anywhere? I mean, I guess I'm picking two players from the same team, but (laughs) how have the Angels not made the playoffs, by the way? They've got Trout and Otani. I mean, I get it, but... Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And I I think we'll we'll get to this a little bit later on in the show or maybe even next week. One of the expanded playoff formats, the one from the Players Association particularly, and again, this might not be the one they go with and things are going to change and lockouts are weird, but that has a a massive realignment of both the American and National Leagues, uh, splitting things into two divisions again. I I think with the expectations that baseball would expand to 32 teams at some point here in in the relatively near future, You're going to hear from Rick Hahn when we come back. White Sox general manager spoke a bit about this, about the last couple of weeks, about the upcoming weeks, about the signing of Kendall Graveman, about the payroll for the White Sox in 2022. You'll hear from him next. You can upgrade your game day experience in 2022. The guaranteed rate club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at 20 games. They include flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason opportunities. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. You'll hear from White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn. When we come back, I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
1: This is Chicago's home for sports. On app, the ESPN Chicago app, in HD, 100.3 HD2, and of course on AM, ESPN 1000.
0: This is White Sox Weekly.
2: Secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field next season with the 2022 ticket package. Catch the biggest matchups and enjoy 2022 postseason opportunities flexible payment plans and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. It's White Sox Weekly. Phone number is 312-332-3776. You're going to hear from Rick Hahn in just a bit. Some of the highlights of his, uh, I don't know, pre-lockout press conference slash Kendall Graveman, Laeri Garcia, wrap-up, re-signing press conference. It was, you know, it's, it's a weird place to be. I mean, rick wasn't weird or anything on the press conference he's a he's a gem and did his thing it's just kind of weird timing yeah the, the the so many unknowns about what's to come here and and how long this lockout will last obviously that's kind of the topic conversation on the show today uh but we'll steer it any which way you want to go 312-332-3776 a couple of particulars i wanted to get to before we hear uh, a lot of the deets from rick con kids still say deets right is that a is that a thing? It's waning. Yeah, it's waning. I don't say it anymore. Do kids say waning? Is that back? No. Are we doing Never waning was again? Never was here. Never was here. That's an SAT right. word. We yeah. don't do those. Thank you. <laughs> it's an SAT word. That's what it is. Uh, Tyler Aki, our producer on the other side, checking in, and keeping us young. Um, okay, so Tyler, do me a favor. I have a couple of news and or notes, and we've got something specifically designed for that. White Sox Weekly now brings you live correspondence from the far realms of the baseball universe. Everything from seams to batteries. And anything from cash considerations to dirty inning situations. Here's young Connor McKnight. Thank you, thank you. Here's the News and Notes segment. Uh, just a couple of things. Rick Hahn did mention in his press conference that uh, everybody who hadn't been tendered a contract you know, heading up to the non-tender deadline has been tendered one. So your favorite minor leaguer, all the way up until the three big arbitration guys have been tendered contracts. So nothing to worry about there. Who are those big three arbitration guys? Well, obviously, that's Lucas Giolito, Adam Engel. Oh my gosh, and one more. I'm completely forgetting who it is. Oh, um, the other guy. <gasps> this is embarrassing is what it is. I had it written down and then I put it under a piece of paper. Anyway, they've all been tendered contracts, so that's a good thing. Also this, and this is kind of big. Uh, the Hall of Fame Golden Days era ballot is tomorrow. The voting is tomorrow. So three former White Sox are up for the Hall of Fame. You heard our interview with Bob Pierce, Billy Pierce's son, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Billy Pierce is up for the Hall of Fame through this class induction as well. Minnie Minoso, another one, and Dick Allen, another all former White Sox, there are 10 in total, but all up for the Hall of Fame. Those voting results come out tomorrow at 5 p.m. It's on MLB Network. I almost I almost wish we could have rescheduled White Sox Weekly to tomorrow night to, like, you know, kind of do the whole Hall of Fame sort of thing. Because I I think one, if not two, may well get in. I mean, Vinny Minosa should be in the Hall of Fame. And Dick Allen absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. Billy Pierce has a good argument for it as well. So, I, We'll keep you posted. Follow us at ESPN White Sox on Twitter, and we'll I mean, you'll find out the results. But we'll keep it posted there as well.
0: The other name, Ronaldo Lopez. Thank you, Ronaldo
2: Lopez. So that's a big piece of the rotation, in hear Rick Han, uh, or potentially part of the rotation. You'll hear Rick Han talk a little bit about it as well. So let's get things started this way with uh, some of the uh, cuts, the actualities from Rick Han. Um, the White Sox level of activity was leading up to the the lockout deadline on December 1st was obviously a topic of conversation everywhere. Each team's, every single one of the franchises in Major League Baseball and their level of of activity was discussed going up to the December 1st deadline. So Rick kind of addressed what these the the, the week, two weeks, two and a half weeks leading up to the the deadline were like and also uh, kind of addressed the question of are, are you ready after the lockout ends, whenever that is, and however close to spring training that is, to get back to business and finish off the rest of this 2021 2022 offseason. So, if you know things unfreeze on February 1st and you got to do the
3: rest of your offseason in two weeks, okay. so be it. So be it. Let's go. Seriously, like that's that's fine. I'd, I'd it, as Maddie alluded to, look, there's something. There's something to be said for having a short period in which you can get everything done. Uh, we aren't looking to draw things out on our end. Uh, you've seen that a, a few times over the years, you know, the in a normal, more normal off-season um, and being able to sign a guy like Grandal early in the off-season, that's, that's how we'd prefer to do things. Uh, you, you can't really, in a, in a traditional off-season, you can't really control the pace of things at which point these markets start moving. Uh, so if it winds up that there's a condensed period on the other time, so be it, we'll be, we'll be ready to go.
1: And when you talk about, uh, certain positional groups, uh, kind of moving, are there some
2: that you've noticed have been slower than others? Like, you know, outfield, for example, seems like it hasn't had a ton of, uh, of activity.
3: I think that's right. I think that's the main one that you just haven't seen a ton of activity in yet. And, and as I alluded to the general trade market across the board for position players and pitchers really hasn't, uh, been quite as active, as certainly not as active as the free agency market.
2: That's something we'll get to in, in just a moment here. Remember, one of the big action items for the White Sox as we head closer and closer to the start of spring training, uh, resumption of business as normal, is is going to be what to do with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, we'll hear a little bit more from Rick Hahn after a quick break, but there's one more piece I want to play you before we hit that, and that's about the payroll. Obviously I, I've talked a lot about where this payroll is, and, and obviously it being a big variable for each and every team, nobody ever knows, at least outside of the, in, uh, of the organization, what that number is going to be set at or comfortably set at or, or what the budget really even looks like. But for the White Sox, Rickon was asked kind of a two-pronged question by Daryl Van Scowen, who covers the team and does it darn well. Um, the question was essentially, were big-ticket free agents – guys like Semyon or Robbie Ray or, you know, things like that, Robbie, even even um, Kevin Gossman, were they fittable on this White Sox roster for 2022? And are big-ticket items, what does this payroll look like with a big-ticket item? So Han kind of broke down both of those two questions and addressed the White Sox budget as best he can.
3: Well, you're asking two different questions. Uh, one is whether there is 2022 payroll room for a big number. Uh, I would say entering the offseason, the answer to that question was yes. Uh, the second part was whether there was contracts as a whole that made sense for the long term of the club. Uh, that's, a, that's a different element. Yeah, going to the payroll, you know, we were going to wind up once again, I believe, in 2022 with a record payroll for this club. Uh, From my perspective, it will be uh, more than adequate to field a championship-caliber club, and that's what our mission is
2: down the hall. It's White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn. You'll hear more from him, including his thoughts about Craig Kimbrell and the potential of moving him to a different team for... You know, something in return and something that might help you in 2022. Sox fans, start planning your 2022 outings to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes. They can be perfect for you and your group. Learn more about our spaces, including diamond suites or a patio party. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. More from White Sox GM Rick Hahn when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. We are talking
0: White Sox.
1: This is White Sox Weekly.
0: If you missed the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White,
1: White Sox Fox. Weekly. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.
2: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. It's. Conor McKnight here on ESPN 1000. We're on Twitch as well. Follow us and watch us on Twitch. Tom Waddle's face is in the background of the shot, as it always should be. Going to be on with Tom Waddle later this week. Sylvie's got vacation, so you're stuck with me for the middle of the week. On Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000, but that's, that's neither here nor there. We were talking, uh, or at least hearing from Rick Hahn, kind of talking about the details that he was uh, passing out about the White Sox offseason, where things were, where things weren't, uh, and what they're looking to get done once the offseason kind of comes back. I'll get to Craig Kimbrell in just a second, but I thought this, this from Khan kind of summed up best you can with, with the unknowns of a lockout swirling around this offseason, uh, summed up as best you can where the White Sox are. Currently,
3: it's been a very busy month. and right now at December 1st, the two additions we have since the end of the year are leary and Kendall Graveman. um is a, another oldie, but a goodie that we talk about, seemingly every December at the winter meetings. The opening day roster is not due in December. It's due come opening day. Uh, fully expect there to be further additions over the course of the next several months. And for the team to look better on opening day than it does today, and if we're once again blessed with the ability to stay in contention through the summer, I suspect it's going to look even better after the trade deadline than it looks on opening day. The goal is obviously remains the same, to be in the a position, to be in the postseason and succeed in the postseason come, come next fall. Today is December 1st. Feel like we're we're better than we were on November first, and that works going to continue right up until opening day and through the trade deadline next summer.
2: So one of the pieces, maybe the biggest piece here, obviously is the conversation around Craig Kimbrell. Things did not work out for Kimbrel and the White Sox in this season. That's pretty obvious. The ERA was uh, inflated, the home runs were big, and uh, the walks, the the control really wasn't wasn't what you wanted to see. Kimbrel's had that over course over the course of his his career. There have been moments. I'm thinking about the Red Sox run to the postseason where he wasn't closing, and it said it was Chris Sale coming out of the bullpen to lock down games late in that World Series run that they had. There was the uh, the year half year in San Diego uh, that didn't work out for Kimbrel, and then there was the you know the get go the the kind of like getting back onto the rails after a weird offseason. Remember he and Dallas Keuchel both were not able to sign until well into the what was that 2018 season 2019 season uh, they both signed in like July so it was kind of tough to get onto the onto the tracks as it were for Kimbrel and uh, the results weren't there. Rick's made no secret about the fact that they didn't use Kimbrel the way that they probably should have. The way that they should have, they haven't shared a lot about what they exactly wanted to do with them or, or what they came up short, but you know, you could kind of see some options there that might have been a little bit different or turned out different for the White Sox in the bullpen. So to that end, I'll play you here a little bit of a cut about the Kimberl trade rumors that have been, um, well, they've been pretty constant, I mean, since the White Sox ended the season. Here's for Khan.
3: Yeah, look, made no secret about the fact that the, how we used Craig last year didn't quite work uh, to anyone's benefit. And certainly there's a spot for him on this club going forward, but it's going to require us uh, modifying uh, potentially how that bullpen is deployed. Uh, Alternatively, I know his name's been out there a fair amount in trade rumors, so if there's a a possible fit out there, you know, obviously it's our responsibility to pursue it, and we do feel we have a fairly strong pen uh, as it is built around the other guys right now. So we'll just have to wait and see how that unfolds over the coming months.
2: One more cut here from Rick that I think kind of, again, dovetails into that. I've used that word a lot here, but that's kind of what this offseason looks like, kind of one thing sliding into the next. It's about the pace of free agency and how quickly some positions kind of went off the board, middle infield specifically, gosh, with Seager and Semyon and all those guys kind of signing. This was, this was kind of his comments about where free agency is at. But I, I, think, I think the bit that pertains most to the White Sox here in this, listen for it, is toward the end of this cut where he talks about what the trade market looked like in the last few weeks. Obviously, it's been a much quicker pace than
3: we've seen in recent years. Uh, very robust free agent market over the last several weeks. I'd say that uh, probably because of the pace of the free agent market, which is frankly probably ahead of normal, probably on the other side of the winter meetings in terms of our normal pace of free agent signings, uh, trade talks have gone more slowly. I think most people's focus has been on free agency. You've seen fewer trade acquisitions than I think we would normally see on December 1st. And, uh, you know, those are obviously uh, two of the byproducts of uh, what potentially lies ahead.
2: So I, I think what you're seeing, now, and we did see some trades, like Rick, Rick talked on December 1st, as, I've, as he's kind of mentioned a couple of times here, he's kind of dated the press conference, but he talked December 1st, and then we saw a couple of trades real late. Uh, the Pirates made a deal, the Marlins spun some people off. Jackie Bradley Jr. went back to the Red Sox because the Brewers wanted Hunter Renfro, or something, I don't know, odd fit there. That's for a different show. That's for for, for Red Sox Weekly or something like that. Um, but you, you saw a couple of things move late. Craig Kimbrell's, Tyler, you checked me, but like, I don't know that there's going to be a, a bigger name on the trade market than Craig Kimbrell as we get closer and closer to spring training. There might be, but I, I would be hard-pressed to come up with a bigger name than Craig Kimbrell that could be on the move heading into spring training. Yeah, you're probably right there. I,
0: I'm trying to think through other potential candidates, but I mean, you're talking about a future Hall of Fame closer
2: who's who's at 16 million too. Right. So like when I think of when I when I say big name, it's not just the performance and the role he could be in, which is closer for a contender right but it's also the money attached to him
0: yeah everything sort of yeah no I, I think you're right That probably is the biggest the, name right there the
2: a's the the a's could move apparently they want to cut a lot of payroll so you could see matt chapman or maybe even olsen on the move or something like that and then you you know you can make your arguments there i get it if you want to put matt chapman on the block maybe he's a bigger name than craig kimbrell in as much as chapman is a is a feature on your team for five, six years, and Kimbrell's throwing for another, what, two, three years? I'm kind of making it up yeah. as I go here on that end, but you know, there's arguments to be made at best. Kimbrell should fetch you back something important. And the, the key here is, if you want to make that move, do you have a bullpen assembled around Liam Hendricks that can support the innings you're asking it to throw? That's question number one. And I think... You know, as you've heard from Rick and you'll hear from Kendall after the next break, they do feel that there's going to be that bullpen there. I mean, if you're going Hendricks in the ninth or four or five innings or four or five outs or whatever, Bummer and Graveman feel pretty good about those last. What was it? Three times three is nine. Those last nine to 12 outs. I feel pretty good about that on a, on a regular basis for about 100 games. You know, that kind of thing. That, that That's good. I like that. You're going to need more in innings. You need some middle and bulk. Evan Marshall is not there. Jimmy Cordero is not there. You've got to find some pieces to replace some of the innings that uh, had some pretty good relievers for you last season. How, however, if you had Craig Kimbrel there, that's 15-16 outs that you kind of don't have to worry about if you move them. A lot is going to depend on how much contract, if any, the White Sox need to take on from Kimbrell's deal to get back the player you want. Kind of the scale, and we've talked about it a lot on the show during the season, especially as we're getting up to the trade deadline. If a team's going to, if I'm going to move Craig Kimbrell, the more contract, if it's going to work this way, the more contract that I'm willing to take on, the more money I'm still willing to send with, the better player I can get back. If we're talking about prospects, that's usually how that works. There could be a, a contract you could maybe swap. One of the popular ones that's been kind of rumored about and kind of fit in is a guy like Gene Segura from the Phillies making about what Kimbrel makes. Phillies are looking to add bullpen help, like perpetually, always. The Phillies are praying for bullpen help. And Gene Segura plays a spot that you got open in second base, or at least can't. Gene Segura worth $14, $15 million? Eh, Maybe. Close. A little older. But you could trade contract for contract that way if you wanted to. Maybe you get something with Gene Segura to kick in for a future Hall of Fame reliever and a desperate Phillies uh, organization that needs bullpen help. Who knows? Maybe it looks something like that. Maybe instead the White Sox are, maybe the best deal out there is something that looks instead like Craig Kimbrell for a, a near- Ready prospect and a lottery ticket. You know, like a guy who's playing AAA, kind of squeezed out of a different organization. You know, a Gavin Sheets level type guy, perhaps, plus, I don't know, an A ball arm that's got a 95 or a 99 mile an hour fastball and maybe not much else. Maybe it looks something like that. 312 332 3776. That's the phone number in Barrington. It's Dan. Dan, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're not getting nothing for Kimbrell. He's damaged goods and he's way too expensive. So we could seashell and balloon it all you want. Not gonna happen. And Okay, I think you're wrong, Dan. Uh, yeah, and Aaron Bummer was great at running his mouth last year. Uh said we were gonna be fifty and zero uh with the lead and uh didn't happen. So I know once again you're planning parade routes, but I think you're way off.
2: So like all so all you wanted to say was that the White Sox bullpen is bad? despite the fact that it finished like top five in war and pitched all those innings and Liam Hendricks won reliever of the year and all that other stuff. All right, cool, fun, fun phone call. This is going to be a great lockout. That's what it's going to be. Kendall Graveman spoke to White Sox reporters. You'll hear it when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight, ESPN 1000.
1: Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago.
0: Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.
2: Upgrade your game day experience in 2022 to a private diamond suite, the perfect space for hosting family and friends or entertaining clients for a game. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly, and the White Sox have a new reliever. The uh, Kind of the big spend for the White Sox up to this uh, you know, lockout deadline was Kendall Graveman, three-year contract, about $8 million per year. Graveman was uh, an up-and-comer with the A's, actually pitched a real good game for the Oakland Athletics against the White Sox in 2016. I was there. And it, uh, he moved to the bullpen. You'll hear why he moved to the bullpen. I this was one of the things I knew this, but had kind of forgotten about it with Kendall Graveman. Uh, you know, kind of a mid-rotation type prospect as, it, as he was coming up with the A's, um, with the, some promise to maybe grow into like I don't know, like a low end two that kind of thing. But he had to move to the bullpen, and, and you'll hear why. It, it's kind of, a, kind of an eye-opener and, and really, I don't know, a good story sort of thing. You know, you kind of tip your hat to Kendall for the work he's done and the improvements he's made. Regardless, he spoke with White Sox beat reporters just the other day and answered a pretty simple question. Honestly, his – I mean, that's kind of the thing. He talks and you're like, man, he's really kind of putting it out there, being as honest as he can. Uh, he was asked, why
4: sign with the White Sox? One, I wanted to go to a team that was, that was winning, so that was a, a huge factor in and all of it um, to Rick Hahn was a pleasure to work with and throughout the whole process, um, very professional. Um, and thirdly, um, they were a team that were pursuing me the most and they feel um, that adding me is really going to benefit uh, this ball club and this team. So uh, I, I felt wanted here the most and, and Rick was great to work with. And then ultimately um, it came down to, Uh, I wanted to go to a team that was winning and and trying to win.
2: So mentioned that uh, Graveman came up a starter and moved into the bullpen. He talked about that challenge of moving from rotation to Pensman.
4: Uh, There wasn't a challenge because in that um, moment in my career, that was kind of the only I saw the viable option from the bone tumor that I was um, having trouble with in my cervical spine to to go into the bullpen was – Really, I saw the only way of keeping my career alive, and I believe by uh, the grace of God and just being blessed uh, to be able to fit into this role that I'm still pitching because there are many days dealing with that, I thought my career was over. So the transition was easier, still got to make pitches and execute and get outs. Yeah, so Graveman
2: was diagnosed with a benign bone tumor in the C6 part of his cervical spine it can't get worse or grow any given his pitching motion or or what he does Uh, and at some point in his future he said that he'll have uh the procedure to get that removed or reduced but later on down the road and and just kind of reading between the lines and some of graveman's quotes about the issue it kind of sounds like something he'll deal with um after his playing career i'm kind of guessing but maybe he's changed his mind on that who knows Uh, still that's kind of an eye opener, you know. The, the guy works for a year, not knowing whether or not he's he's going to continue to pitch in the big leagues. That is a scary moment, but one that pushed him into the bullpen with all kinds of, you know. So sometimes you see failed starters going to the pen. It's like, ah, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? He's like, nah, this is this is it. This is it for me now. I'm in. I'm good. The other thing I find interesting about Kendall Graveman, I was reading this piece on Fangraphs. It's by uh, Dan Larilla. And here's the first two graphs. I'll just uh, real quickly here. He spoke with Kendall Graveman during the ALCS and writes that Graveman told him something that surprised him. He learned that Graveman only recently learned how to throw a real good breaking ball. He was kind of a sinker fastball guy as as a rotation guy. As the now free agent put it, obviously now signed with the White Sox, I didn't throw one forever, really. I didn't know how to spin it. Larilla goes on to write, he spent a lot of good ones, Graveman did, during the 2021 season, throwing more breakers than at any point in his career. Graveman had 61 strikeouts and allowed just 35 hits in 53 relief appearances, comprising 56 innings. For both the Mariners and the Astros, he switched teams at the July deadline. He logged a 177 ERA and a 319 FIP. Opponents slashed 130, 193, 196 against the right-handers, Slider. Uh, I know there was a lot of numbers, but basically that boils down to, his Slider ain't going to get hit. And that's a good thing for the White Sox. Now, there were some struggles uh, in Houston, you know, kind of that last month, month and a half of the season. Maybe even
4: longer if you want to go through the splits. But been addressed what those struggles were and why they happened. You know, it's a long season and the body sometimes goes through ebbs and flows. And I hadn't played a full season since 2017. And I was feeling a little fatigued in those moments, but I just had to find a way to get out. And it wasn't the prettiest um three outs a lot of times during that stretch there were some walks and men on base and the whip was up and trust me I saw all of it I knew all of it but at the end of the day there was no injury there was just fatigue and I had to find my way out of it And I think as I finished the season you saw that um in the postseason I was back to who I was at the beginning of the year and that was uh, creating strikeouts and creating swing and miss and creating one two three innings so I was um trying to figure out how to be a reliever for a full season and that was just part of it so i'm excited about going into the end of this season more prepared and how to take care of my body so even if you do have some of those moments that you shorten the gap on when you feel like you're back to normal so Graveman's
2: definitely one of those pitchers that got signed after you know it's it's a career year a breakout kind of year for a 30 year old 31 year old uh, who got moved into the pen and really found some success? Bump in the road late, but as he mentioned there, you know, you get into the playoffs and he pitched really well for the Astros, uh, leading up to the World Series and into the World Series. Got some big outs, finished some big innings. So Kendall Graveman, one of those, one of those guys where you go, is, is the track record really all that long with him in the bullpen? Does this work? Is this a, is this taking a little bit of a flyer on a long term deal? Yeah, you you could say that. But he's also a guy where the peripherals, you know, just the stuff, the the spin rate on the slider, the success rate of throwing a a, kind of a new pitch, and the extra velocity he's added, about two miles per hour to the fastball, up to about 96, brushing 97 at times, that, that matters quite a bit. So in this era of, you know, Rapsodo and slow motion cameras and all this kind of extra technology, this is the kind of guy where you go, oh, we can see it. Based on some of the granular data, some of the, the, the more you know the nerdy stuff, really, I guess, and expand out from there. This this is a guy you can rely on. These are gains and and bumps that you say go, I got yep, we got it. This is gonna work for us. This is gonna be just fine. So the White Sox offseason has begun. The big pause button has been pressed, and we are hopefully uh, in a lockout that won't take all that long. White Sox Weekly is going to be here for you throughout, though. We'll be back next Saturday from 9 until 10. Big thanks to Tyler Aki, our producer. Brian and Pat have the hockey show. They're coming up next. Before we go, though, i got to remind you, Sox fans, you can get the latest team gear. To rep all season long at the Chicago Sports Depot, be sure to follow the at White Sox store on Instagram for series sales and more. For more hours and information, visit WhiteSox.com slash depot. The mailbag will make its debut next Saturday. We'll make some off-season plans as well. The hockey show is next. Have a great Saturday. I'm Connor. You got ESPN 1000.